0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. Boom! And we are live from the Believe in Orlando Magic Studios. I am your host, Max Van Auken from the Max Van Auken Podcast, the MVP, and I am joined by a guy who is probably the best podcaster in the biz, Andrew Combo Salop from Combo's Court. How are you? Wow.
0: What a compliment. I appreciate that, man. Uh, I'm doing well, you know, living the life, uh, podcasting, baby combo. Yeah, everything's good, man.
1: I love to hear it, Combo. Absolutely love to hear it. Now, I said I was going to share something. We were talking about a little bit off air, and I wanted to share it with you on air and just get your authentic answer in response. So I'm planning something uh, as if the budget is there. Of course, that's really the only thing holding me back. Budget and time. But if you plan correctly, I I don't feel like time is a valid excuse because that's the whole point of planning. I want to go on an MVP tour, the Max Van Auken podcast. It sounds very conceited when I call myself the MVP, but it's part of my my show name. Um, Anyway, I want to go on an MVP tour where I stop by everywhere that I've made connections. So so through podcasting, through interviewing and social media, the really great thing of social media and doing these shows, you get to talk and meet so many different people. Luckily, I've met you in person before when we were in Atlanta. But it kinda of opened my eyes. I'm like, man, there's just so many possibilities to connect with people. So I plan on going on this tour. I don't know when I'm gonna plan it or how I'm going to plan it, but I want to go on tour where I stop like people in Texas, you got Pierre in Chicago, you got people in California. Obviously you're in New York and Combo, we may just have to do a couple podcasts when I'm there live. But I'm mean, like, you know what, Combo, what if you and I go on tour? We you know how many podcasts we could do on the road? So I just I just wanted to kind of run that idea past you.
0: I just want to know. Is that a world tour or your girls tour? Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah, I I have no words for that, combo. That's probably the perfect response.
0: No, that would be fun. I mean, traveling always brings a lot of value. I mean, it's, and I love, you know, doing things virtually. Um, Obviously, most of my podcasts have been on Zoom pre-pandemic. I was definitely doing some um, in-studio recordings for Combo's Court, but now it's mostly on Zoom. But there's nothing quite like being in person, to be totally honest. Obviously, for you know the audio, the audio um, part of podcasting, it really doesn't matter. You don't have to be in the same room, but for the visuals, I think it's really important to uh, be in the same room. And yeah, that sounds great. Like you always get more done when you do things in person.
1: Right, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Um, well, combo, now that you you passed that test, so I think it's something I'm definitely going to go. And, dupe. and then speaking about being on the road, so all these players, All-Star break just happened, and I know we'll get into that, but we do have to talk about specific Magic players that took place in All-Star weekend. So you had the Rising Stars Challenge, which I absolutely love when you are seeing the young players scrimmage against each other. I love the format they did this year. Um, Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony, they had some really good moments in the game. So before we even get into Cole Anthony the dunk contest, that Rising Star Challenge to me was one of the most entertaining ones um, of this weekend events what did you take away from the two magic well honestly we had three let me excuse me sorry um franz wagner i always say his name wrong wagner uh three orlando magic players what did you take away from yeah it? no no it was great and it was
0: watching cole play with his energy that's what he always brings to the game uh franz and Jalen played solid you know franz showing that he could be part of a winning team which was great And um, my biggest takeaway had nothing to do with a Magic player, to be quite honest. It was just that Cade Cunningham is just further along in his development than his peers, in my opinion. Like, he is so polished, and in a redraft, I would still go with him, number one. And I know you take, you know, a Rising Stars game with a grain of salt, but he really is on another level, even though he hasn't been, in my opinion, the top rookie so far this season. He's just going to be a phenomenal player, and he's really polished for his age.
1: He's better. I tweeted this because you know how high I was on Kate as well, even pre-draft. And now, obviously, as he's proven to be this guy, is I said he's better than a lot of your favorite basketball players at basketball. And he may not have the stats yet of, like, the superstar caliber stats. But when you watch him play basketball, like, he is just such a good basketball player, such a well-rounded player. He's just super – he'll be a superstar in this league. Now, a lot of people would ask Combo – okay, we get how talented he is, we get how good he is, but he's in Detroit. Like, How good can he possibly be in Detroit? Will he ever win in Detroit? Can he overcome that dysfunction? What would your answer be?
0: Yeah, he definitely can. They just got to build around him in the right way, Uh, more shooting. I mean, he didn't even have shooting in Oklahoma State, and he does it now, so they need to add more of that to the team. Maybe one more dynamic playmaker, maybe a smaller, quicker guard to kind of offset uh, his skill set. Which is like a bigger, more cerebral um, player that he is. I mean, all around, with all, he's more like that Luca Lebron, you know, mold. And like, not saying he is those, he is that level, but they just need like another, like maybe smaller, dynamic, bring some foot speed to the team, and obviously shooting and maybe some rim protection. I know that's a lot, but I mean, that's what you need to do to build around uh, Kane Cunningham, and I definitely think they can win in Detroit eventually.
1: Right. Now, I would like to agree with you, especially depending on what type of pick they get. Um, I saw ESPN released uh, the draft and who they're expected to get, and Chet Holgram was one of them. So, I mean, in Detroit, if you get Chet, you get a guy like – and you obviously have a guy like, hey, that, that's unreal. So it's just developing it the right way, building organically. And I was talking to my friend about this combo. There's it's there's a really big um, incentive. I wouldn't say incentive. It's very attractive to try to go get the big star especially if you're like in a bigger market or you're in a market there where you can attract the stars. But there's just something about building organically. It takes more time. Uh, it is a process. It's a lot to ask some of your fans to build through like something Golden State obviously is like the epitome of that to show what it's like to build organically. Not everyone could do what Golden State did, but when you do do that, it just feels more sustainable. You've created a culture. So even if a star leaves, that's not like just a rental. You know what I mean? It just it's, it has a more of a special feel when you grow organically and you see these players develop with your team. And then when, when you win with that team, I just feel like that's more sustainable. I would prefer to do that than rely on stars coming to my team. That doesn't mean don't be aggressive and try to get the star. A la KD still going to the warriors, but I think there's something to be said for the teams that are able to develop into winning. Does that make sense?
0: No, totally. I mean, I think there are teams that take that approach. You mentioned the warriors. Memphis is another team. The heat are another team, obviously, You know, they acquired um, Jimmy, but, you know, a lot of that team is built organically, especially with the role players. They find players and that they see something that other teams don't see and they build with that. So, yeah, I do think there is some value there. Um, You know, every team wins differently. Toronto was built organically, but then they add Kawhi. So I think there's just different ways to do things. But I do like when uh, teams are built that way.
1: Right. And I think it's just more sustainable. I think it it takes longer, but you're also having a longer reign when you do have it. Uh, But Combo, so there's a lot to take away, but how do you feel when Grant Hill was talking about France being one of the main cornerstones of the Orlando Magic as far as building for the future and seeing three Orlando Magic players? Like, that has to be a positive sign for those that listen to this podcast. Obviously, it's predominantly a Magic basketball podcast. So that has to be a good sign to see three of our guys in that type of challenge.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe Grant could uh, go on a time machine and play for the Magic and then, you know, <laughs> th- you know, <laughs> then Magic will be a, uh, win some games this year. But I don't know if the Magic want to win at this point. I think, you know, the draft uh, is important to them. Maybe they could get some lottery luck. What was the question again, though, Max?
1: Just the fact that we have three guys, three young guys in this type of challenge. Like, you may see a player from a game. Okay, perfect example. Kay Cunningham, I believe he was the only Detroit Piston in there, right? So, I mean, you have Cade. Like, okay, that's pretty cool. But to say, hey, we have three guys in this, that's pretty. Like that's a really good sign going forward, the fact that you have three young, talented players in the Rising Star Challenge coming back to your team.
0: Yeah, no, I think it is a good thing. I mean, they definitely have some promising talent. And Franz, no doubt, is going to be um, a really good to great NBA player. Cole just needs to get more consistent um, and, you know, work on his decision-making a little bit. But that usually comes with time. And Jalen... I mean, he's been hit with the injury bug. Like, he started out with the thumb, I think, yep. in summer league, and then he's had different injuries. So it's been really tough for him. I, I think he does need to develop some more craft as a guard in the NBA, and he also needs to slow down a little bit because he's a really athletic player. I mean, the guy was a football player, so, you know, he brings that mentality to the game, which is great on defense. But on offense, you have to slow down a little bit, and I think that's something he has to learn. But, you know, three promising players, and hopefully the team gets some lottery luck and brings in another promising player.
1: See, now I can relate to Jalen Suggs in this aspect. We were talking a little bit before we recorded. So I'm, I'm basically a beast in the gym. There's just no other way to put it. No, I, I, Frankly, I'm just quite a monster. And so when you have this physique like a Jalen Suggs who's just physically imposing an athlete who played football, and I've never suffered an injury until I just hurt my back recently, I think it just takes a – when you're used to your body being so dominant and being very physical and athletic – you have to remind yourself those ways to prepare your body. And that's kind of what I'm going through. So I was just, I just felt like I could relate to Jalen Suggs a little bit here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think some of those injuries is not even about preparing. Like he hurt his thumb, like, you know, to start off. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what what you could do to like prehab a thumb injury. Like I've had thumb injuries. They're the worst, man. Like think about it. Everything you grab, you use your thumb, you know, it's probably your most important finger. So, I mean, yeah, you know, prehab has a lot to do with it. He does have to slow down a little bit and hopefully he could have a more healthy career going forward. And I, I think he will, and I hope he will.
1: So you were supposed to counter at least, say, Max, you're not like that because now it makes me feel conceited. You, the fact that you just embraced me saying I'm like Jalen Suggs makes me seem like a conceited guy. I wasn't expecting that.
0: I don't know, man. Sometimes I just focus on the magic and not really uh, think about whatever you're saying about your workouts.
1: Wow, <laughs> that's crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know we are the magic podcast so uh you know i'll just focus on the magic there but yeah man yeah you're a beast bro you know, okay all right going. well
1: i appreciate it well thank you um you gotta do some more
0: yoga i told you that before you got to stretch more you're you're going into the gym you're trying to lift 300 pounds on your back you know you might you
1: know sometimes uh less is more less is more wise words from combo the second half of the season What should Magic fans expect? What would you want to see from the Orlando Magic personally combo? Uh, As we get into, like I said, the second half of the season, this is where things get intense. Obviously, if you're not making the playoffs, it may not be as intense. But either way, teams usually have a mission, have an objective going into the second half. What would you say Orlando Magic's are?
0: Well, I want to see Markel Fultz get back on the court. Um, Hopefully, Isaac as well. But you know who I really want to see play basketball because he, he's such a fun summer league watch? Bol Bol, man. The Magic have acquired Bol Bol. I want to see him play some basketball. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I don't know what his NBA role will be. You know, that's the tough part about uh, Bol Bowl. But he is super talented for his size. I mean, he could do a lot uh, with the basketball but it'll just be interesting how he fits into the NBA going forward and I hope he could find his niche. I hope he could find his role.
1: Yeah, he is. He he feels like a two K player. Where like he has this ceiling of he could be unreal. But he, it's like that unicorn thing, right? Like yeah. he is a unicorn. Yeah, like you're not supposed to be able to have a mold like a fit like this. So like he has the potential to be I mean, it's ridiculous. Like you see glimpses of him like bringing up the ball and like pulling up for three and how lengthy and tall he is. Like, wow. If he could do that all the time, yeah, you have that unicorn effect, but then there is the counter argument where the inconsistencies and what, so it's, I'm excited. And I feel like Orlando is a great opportunity for him to kind of fulfill that unicorn potential. I hope we see it. I really do. Cause that would be the Orlando magic have a really young lengthy team with him and Mobamba and Jonathan Isaac, when they come back, like we're a really lengthy young team. So we have the potential, especially on the defensive end to be nasty.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, that's the difference between like a Chet Holmgren and a Bull Bull, even though Chet hasn't played, obviously hasn't played a game. And you mentioned him earlier. Like, I'm really high on him. I'm probably higher. I definitely am higher on him than uh, everybody else coming out of this uh, draft class because, you know, Chet's going to be a defensive anchor right away with all the unicorn stuff. Like, he has tangible um, attributes that are going to directly, you know, translate to the NBA level. While Bull Bull is like the idea of Bull Bull is great. It's his actual NBA role. You know, so we got to figure that out. I mean, the Magic have to help him figure that out. But he's definitely super talented for his size. And he does, you know, all kinds of things that, you know, players his height really shouldn't be able to do. So he's such an interesting
1: player. Right. Absolutely. Then we had, now I must admit, so I'm a huge three-point contest guy. It was cool to see Cat win it, like just the evolution of the bigs. And as Rashad would say, the stretch big. I missed the dunk contest. So I knew I was going to be driving to Orlando when that was going on. So I knew I was going to watch it when I get back, which I did. But when I got to my destination in Orlando and I'm looking on tour, like, I don't know. I just couldn't hesitate. Like, I just, I couldn't resist. So I ended up seeing the like, oh my God, the the feedback was just like, everyone couldn't stand the dunk contest. I'm like, well, good thing. I, I'm it's actually not a bad thing that I missed that. And the all-star game we'll get into a little bit too, but what, what did you make of the dunk contest? Because I know most people it's unanimous. Wasn't the best dunk contest. A lot of people think it was the worst one of all time. What did you make of it? Is there something that you would change about it? Would you get rid of it all com- like completely together? Or are you just, okay, just wasn't a good year. I'm sure next year will be better. Well, I want to
0: stay on the three-point contest because it was great to see Cat win that. And it was great to see how much that meant to Cat. Right. Like, I've talked about this on another podcast or maybe it was on a live stream. I'm not sure. But It was great to see, you know, want to win the contest that bad and not play the too cool card. Like, I don't know Cap personally, but I could tell you just from watching that that he loves basketball, he loves shooting the basketball, he has passion for the game. Like, I, I could see that in him. So that was great to see, and it was really great to see him win because he really wanted it bad, and that added value to the contest, I think. So that was great. The dunk contest was bad. I mean, it started out with Orlando Magic Zone, uh, Cole Anthony uh, throwing on some Timbs. I mean, you know, Timbs are a New York City thing, but I think like people outside of New York, like think people from New York wear Timbs like all day, every day. You know, it's kind of like a stereotype, <laughs> even though we do we do love our Timbs. So, you know, Cole Anthony was adding to that. It was cool that he brought his father out there. I mean, to you know, for a positive takeaway. But man, and it, it's definitely like I never tried to dunk in tims. Like that does seem tough. But when you when it takes that many tries and it takes you that long to to put on your tims, it kind of like set the tone for the whole dunk contest where people were just missing a lot of dunks and trying different dunks. Like I never been in a dunk contest. I, I was more of an in game dunker myself. But if I was, I wouldn't rely on somebody else. Like I wouldn't put all my trust into somebody else's hands to make the right pass or to hold the ball the right way, especially for your first dunk. You want to just make, you just, I think your first dunk should be like a makeable dunk by yourself to get your rhythm going, in my opinion. Um, Obi Toppin had some nice dunks, you know, he had some really interesting dunks where he like didn't flush it in hard. So that took away from it a little bit, but he is a super vertical athlete. So, I mean, some of his dunks were kind of fun, but overall the dunk contest was really bad as you saw on Twitter
1: yeah that that that's tough and yeah tim's definitely a new york thing i see him down here in florida but yeah, it's just i think to your point sometimes if you don't overthink it and just do something that you know you can make and get your rhythm doesn't mean it won't be nice but just get your rhythm going because it does take away the element when you see the dunk and it doesn't work and you see it and it doesn't work and then on the third fourth try you get it just kind of even when you do get it it's not the same as if you were to get it on your first try like there's just that element of wow he got it like 2016 right it's like the and, and- go ahead no, and also another thing is, is like, you have to have body
0: language after you dunk. Um, I mean, some of that is from what you're saying, that it's, like, the fifth try. So the player's body language is kind of thinking about all the um, – like, he's kind of thinking about all the dunks he missed, and that leads to his uh, poor body language. But, like, when, when Vince made those dunks, obviously they were all-time dunks, but also the energy he had after them added to it, you know. And it's funny, like, some of these guys have, you know, pretty impressive dunks. And then they would kind of like slump over after like they weren't even impressed with it themselves. And I think that kind of could hurt your score too.
1: I agree. When 2016 Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, which I think is the best dunk contest of all time, are so one of the most competitors we've ever seen, like the, you could tell they all wanted, they like, they both wanted to win it. They talked about the energy and when they care, we care. Like you mentioned about cat with the three point contest. When he, when you see how passionate he is about winning it, we are passionate about it. So when you show the emotion and the adrenaline and you care they were both like, man, I'm not losing this. And they kept, even though it was like, those are two of the most creative athletic guys there are. I don't expect everyone to live up to that expectation, but just the energy, like to your point, that can just separate it completely.
0: No, I totally agree. I wouldn't say in terms of dunks, the actual dunks, it might've been the greatest dunk contest ever, but I don't think you could put it ahead of those Dominique Jordan showdowns or the Vince Carter dunk contest. I think those would be my top two, but, um, The dunks in that contest were crazy as well.
1: Yeah, featuring your very own stuff from the Orlando Magic with Aaron Gordon at the time. Uh, But then my favorite part, this is uh, probably a spoiler alert to my moment of the week, was the NBA 75 halftime. Now, the All-Star game was incredible, and I know we can get into that a little bit as well with, with Steph and Bron, obviously. That was just unbelievable combo. I think the NBA does such an amazing job at like tr- making these NBA players especially the fo- like the legends feel like superheroes. Like just seeing all the old school players blending in with the modern players. And it like, it was a really weird thing. And I don't know if this was just me, but like just seeing Shaq help Kareem, like sit down. Like, I don't know. It was just like a really cool moment for me where it's like, they just all respect the legends that came before them. Cause they're the reason why they're legends now is just because they were influenced and motivated and inspired by the Dr. J's, the Kareem's, the MJ's, the magic's. So just to see like a room full of the best basketball players of all time, that, when are we ever going to really get that again? I mean, you probably celebrate NBA 100 anniversary, and some of these guys won't be here, like, unfortunately, just the way life goes because of how old they are now. So it's, I thought it was just such a special moment. I thought the NBA did such a good job when it came to that like celebration on the halftime show.
0: Yeah, it was great. And, you know, just seeing all those players uh, together was fantastic. It kind of brings you back to, like, that pre-social media era as well. Um, because a lot of those players played before then. So it was good to see all those guys, even though, you know, I love social media. But the news, the NBA news cycle is so crazy. We get so much information every day. We kind of almost not even think about some of those older players at times. So it was good to see them front and center. I thought it was like a little weird how like the players that weren't there were like in this white room waving to probably a camera <laughs> by themselves. But I was like, uh, that was just strange. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot, of, you know, there was some great stuff on social media with like Jordan and Rodman and Jordan and LeBron. So I thought that was fantastic. You know, LeBron with, uh, that picture with Chris Paul and D Wade and him. And I'm missing somebody here, right? Carmelo. Carmelo. Carmelo, that's right. So, like, just seeing them four in a picture together was great. But, yeah, um, I thought it was really cool. I watched, actually, that whole ceremony, and I thought it was uh,
1: fantastic. I was glued to the screen. And then, granted, I'm an NBA junkie, so I couldn't get enough of it. And then the actual game itself – Steph Curry yeah like I mean you can't even even in an all-star game just pulling up from half court I know Anthony Davis technically has the record with 52 points Steph has 50 but Steph's 50 to me is way more impressive not that I'm trying to tear down what Anthony Davis did but a lot of his were uncontested layups Steph was pulling up from half court off the dribble everyone's watching is he gonna make one in a row two three now four like that was just I thought Steph stole the show when it came to the game obviously.
0: Now he did. And obviously LeBron finished the game. So I love it. I they both love had, it. Yeah, they both had their moments. Um, it was great, man. It was a great all-star game. Obviously there was some dry spots, like all, All-Star, like all all-star games, but you know, with the Elam ending, shouts to uh, Dr. Nick Elam. He's actually been on my podcast before. He created that style of ending. And even though, you know, different, different, uh, tournaments use, uh, Different formats of it. I would love to see it implemented in the G League, actually. Like, just to try it out and see how it works. You know how they, they, like, it's almost like the G League is almost like a lab for the NBA. Like, they did, they do the two-for-one free throw thing. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Um, but I would like to see it implemented there. But, yeah, it just added a lot to the All-Star game. So, that's great to see. Uh, shout out to Dr. Nick Elam. And shout to that All-Star game, man. It, it, it was really fun. And um, can't wait to see the All-Star game next year, to be honest. So, yeah.
1: I think we'll be there. I'm just uh, yeah, throwing I that think, out there, speaking it yeah, into existence. So
0: you know, it's going to be it's going to be in
1: Utah, so that's going to be interesting. We can go skiing in the mountains. I've never been skiing. Not a bad idea. Not a See bad what idea. I did there? Now, yeah, you couldn't have written it any better at Combo. In Cleveland, LeBron hits the game winner, or like turnaround fader, like MJ. I'm just saying. But uh, I'm ready for the moment of the week. Are you? You go first. Okay. I'll, I'll, with my my pleasure. My moment of the week, hands down, LeBron James, Michael Jordan embracing each other. Now, here's my reason for this. Obviously, it's the greatest player of all time, and Michael Jordan. I'm playing. I'm not going to throw any shade at Michael Jordan. Both two of the greatest basketball players of all time. No matter who you think is the best, we have, and I say we, as in the media and fans, have put these two against each other so much. And I think we've lost sight of what sports is supposed to do. Sports is supposed to unify people. Like, there's so much craziness going on in the world. I don't even have to get into it. Like, just so much. And I think the one powerful thing that we all share is the power of sport. Like, there's just nothing more powerful than everyone coming together to embrace sports. Like, it's the ultimate unifier. So to see these two people who are the best to ever do it, who've been put against each other, constantly compared, the numbers, the accolades, and to see them just embrace each other, I felt like was the ultimate unifier and just reminded me of what sports is all about. So that was hands down my moment of the week combo.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great moment of the week. And obviously, you know, those two are ultimate competitors and they both want to be the greatest. But obviously, there's a lot of mutual respect there. So it was great to see them uh, chop it up. And I'm sure they communicate more than people think, to be honest, you know. Hmm. Uh, They probably don't talk about it, but I'm sure there's some communication there. I don't know that for sure, but, you know, I know the mutual respect is there. You could just tell from their interaction. I'll keep it on LeBron for the moment of the week in that game-winning shot in the All-Star game. He capped it off. Uh, What a way to finish the All-Star game. He's in Cleveland. All his friends were there. It must have been an amazing feeling for him and – It was great to see. It was great to see All-Star Weekend capped off like that. I know we had down spots and dry spots like the All-Star, like, I'm sorry, the dunk contest. But I really thought it was a fantastic All-Star Weekend overall, and it was great to see LeBron cap it off in Cleveland with that game-winning shot.
1: Tombo, I couldn't agree more. Uh, You are notoriously known for your famous closing remarks to end the podcast, so the floor is yours.
0: First of all, we didn't get Max's answer. Is that a world tour or your girls' tour? Maybe he'll <laughs> let us know at another date. But you can find Max on Instagram at Max underscore man underscore aukin. That's M-A-X underscore B-A-N underscore A-U-K-E-N. You know, you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Catch me on Twitter at Combos Court C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. You can catch Max on Twitter at Max underscore band underscore Auken. I spelled that alphabet. I spelled that out for you already. Subscribe to this podcast. Don't, don't forget to rate and review this show. Uh, subscribe to the MVP podcast. Subscribe to Combo's Court. Max, we are here. Talk soon.
1: Talk soon. Peace. Later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.